SMQBs, episode 30, our college football preview. It's a battle to make college football interesting, but I think we did a pretty good job. Check it out. Have fun. Enjoy it. It's when the people climb up on the booth, hanging from the people on the people, my hands are roof, dancing on the ceiling, on the people, I got people on the dancing on the people, I got people. SMQBs, this is episode 30. Apparently, I missed the memo. Everybody's together except me. Very, very sad. Um, but guys, I got a couple questions to get things started here today. Yes. Pope, is the most stressful job in Philadelphia sports the tech running Joel Embiid's MRI machine? I would imagine either that or uh, can you get Jalen Hurts out of the hospital in time to play? What the? And it's not. Milk, do you <laughs> yes. think it's the clubhouse attendant who has to make sure Bryce Harper has enough hair gel available at all times? MVP. I'm going to say no. MVP. Rooster? I think it's Would the... you believe that it's the guy who has to clean out the sweat out of Gritty's mask after every game? I think it's whoever is scouting uh, the dregs of the quarterback ranks out there in the NFL. I mean, a Gardner issue is going to be their starter, it looks like. A good guess. Close, but no cigar. The most stressful job in Philadelphia sports house. You know it. It's the guy who's got to put that fucking banner up on the stadium with a quarterback because he goes and puts it up, and then he's got to take it down. He puts oh, it up, he's got to oh, take oh. it down. He's got to take it down, put another one up. Well, what what they've decided is it's just an animation. It's uh looks like an eagle caricature with his you know hand to his helmet, like you know, can you hear me? I mean, it's lame as hell. Wait till I introduce you guys, Gardner Minshew. You don't know the Gardner <laughs> Minshew show. <laughs> your season's off to a good start when the most exciting thing is the trade you made for your third string quarterback, yeah, right? For a pack of M and M's, and I'm not. Yeah. There, there's actually a lot of excitement for Gardner Minshew. That's a little concerning. I think a lot of excitement. And, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be a great season. I think he's a good. I think he's a good quarterback who pl- who put in three solid years as a starter on a horrible team and played well. And how in the world does Urban Meyer get a six-round pick for this guy? It's love this. Terrible. I love this analysis. This is the part of the show where we bury. This is the part of the show where we bury Toby's Philly sports teams. Not where we try and let's oh, let's end know, this. But I try to have a little integrity. Too. Let's end All this. Right. But I never want to hear again that Gardner Minshew is a good quarterback. A let's end good. it at that. He is. I look. I, I will tell you this right now. I think he's better than Daniel Jones. Well, ever Danny oh, Johns? Wow, that's saying a lot. <laughs> Who is it? To a vote. All right. So look, um, that's NFL talk. Uh, let's table that for a minute. So I looked down at my phone the other day, and um, and there's a college football score. And I sent a text, and I was like, "College football started? There's actually college football going on right now?" And apparently, there is. Um, guys, I don't get it. It's the same teams every year in the playoff. Nothing else matters. I, I enjoy watching the athletes, the speed, uh, the hits. That's kind of fun. But in the grand scheme of things, college football doesn't matter. And today, for the 30th episode of the SMQBs, 
we're going to have a little crossfire episode. Speaking in favor of college football, hope and milk. And on the other side, house and rooster speaking against college football. And where do you stand? Fellas. I think oh. we know where he stands. Yeah, it'd be a short podcast if it were up to <laughs> Look, take it away. Here, first of all, before we get into this discussion, because we've gone through the first technical weekend of college football, and the big highlight game of this past Saturday was Nebraska, Illinois. Oh. Okay. How many feet down are we in the grave of Scott Frost? That's what I, that's my question right now to this. Who is Scott Frost? He's the coach of Nebraska. He's the coach of He's Nebraska. The, the savior. He won a national championship at UCF. No, you did. should know that because you undefeated. undefeated. You you oh, rooted right. for UCF heavily during that national championship. He was season. undefeated. Didn't he play for Nebraska? He played for Nebraska. He was going to be the savior. He was going to be the one who brings Nebraska back. To the, to the prime of the 1980s, which they've literally been waiting for for 40 years. And he's has the worst winning percentage, literally, second of like second worst in the history of, of the school. In the history of the school, yeah. he's under investigation for recruiting violations. Not doing a very good job of that. No. And he starts You're at, gonna cheat. at Illinois in the ex-Wisconsin head coach. Bielma. Yeah. His first game as head coach of Illinois. Nine straight losing seasons. Hasn't been relevant literally in, in right. 30 years. And he gets blown out. What, I mean. What was the first thing that Frost said in the offseason they were going to work on? Special uh, teams. Special teams, right. First Nightmare. series. They stop Illinois. Illinois punts and, and the guy – for uh, Nebraska tries to field the punt on the one yard line instead of letting it go in and realizes he's about to get smeared and then tries to forward pass it out of the end zone for a safety. So the game, (laughs) the first special teams play results in two points for the other team. Then they punted twice, once for 19 yards, once for 26 yards. And then their quarterback coughed up the ball for a, for a fumble scoop up touchdown. Yeah. That, that's how much they've been practicing yeah. fundamentals. So, Milk, maybe you didn't maybe you didn't hear me when I started. You're on the pro college football side. You're supposed to be speaking I'm, why it's exciting. No, he's to trying watch. to he's trying to bury a I, coach. I just want to say, yeah, look, it was a big it's a big deal in college football for those who don't know, like yourself, and I think that. Uh, it's. I think they're going to have fire Scott Frost at Nebraska, which is a pretty big story. But, you know, I mean, you could take the Scott Frost situation and apply it to what's wrong with college football right. as, as playing devil's advocate here. Yeah. Former powerhouses like Nebraska can't get, uh, can't get out from under um, the, the, the mediocrity that they're in. Because other big powerhouse like SEC schools, now going to be Texas and OU, are out recruiting them, and nobody wants to go play in the cornfields of Nebraska. They don't have the same kind of. They don't have the same kind of uh, stigma, you know, as far as being a great college team that uh, is going to send guys to the NFL like they used to. So, you know, but I I, let me let me talk about. I'll digress real quick. How uh, uh, Bison, you have a great point, and and. College football, since the college football playoffs have been initiated, this is the eighth year, right? 
And you know how I love stats. Here's some stats for you, right? In the seven years, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and OU have won 22 conference championships. They've had 20 of the 28 slots in the college football playoffs. They've won 17 of 21 games in the college football playoffs. And the combination of Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, or OU has won three quarters of the college football championships. Who are the teams that are predicted this year to be in the college football playoffs? Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and OU. Depending on, you know, possibly OU is a little better than they were last year. Ohio State not as good, but they're going to clear the Big Ten. So the question is, what is right with college football? I mean, obviously, if you love big powerhouse schools like I do, Roll Tide, then this is this is the golden era. I mean, this is every year you can count on. I've got buddies who are Alabama football fans who every year they already have hotel reservations and and flights set up to wherever the semis and the finals are for college football playoffs. That's annoying. That is how confident they are. They're going to be there. And so, you know, is this year going to be any different? I think that's the big question. Milk, what do you think? Well, first of all, how is this different really than any other decade? I mean, you can go back to when Alabama was winning eight national championships in a decade or whatever it was. Not before Saban. Bear Bryant. No, they had a huge gap I'm between talking, Bear Bryant and Saban. Okay, that's fine. But then you had, you had the 90s where you had literally Florida State and Florida going one, two. Miami. In Miami every year. Oklahoma. It's Nebraska. Nebraska. Nebraska had, they had a great run. You know, in Nebraska. But I'm saying it's, runs, it's, really. no, but really. it's, the same, time, it's the same, it's the same. Era Parsesian. Right. <laughs> It's the same – USC had a run. It's the same five to ten teams. Florida had a run. Let's say it. That's what I said in the 90s. You can count on Florida, Florida State being one right. and two. Do you want to take You want to take a con here? So, hold on. We're yeah. acting – let me just say this. We're acting like one – at some point in college football's history that Akron was a great team and, and was competing. It's, it's never happened. It's the same teams all the time. So how is this different? Look, here's the thing. I think universally, I don't care what your sport is. No one likes anything more than the underdog in sports. And college football has made that virtually impossible. It's what makes college basketball so great that an underdog can actually show up. Butler, Villanova, you can make the final four and win a championship. Well, they used to be, but now like this, that still happens. Really? So, so let me ask you this. Is there any chance that in the final weekend of the college football playoffs, Coastal Carolina is going to be in it this year, Milk? No. 0.00. What about UCF? The best part about college football, and you can ask your sons and you can ask yourself, it's going, you're going into the Oklahoma Tulane game, right? Yeah. And there's excitement, right? Because you think there's a chance. You do? There's a 26 and a half point. <laughs> I understand, but there's excitement. <laughs> to cover. <laughs> now you're not going to play at home anymore, whatever. But I'm, that's the beauty of college football is that you sit there and you're like, as a student, I guarantee you there's two lane students that in the back of their head, they're like, God, what if we did it? All right. Let me, I, let me, I, t- let me say something. So the best, the best of college football is going to a game in person yes. with the bands and the fans and all that. That is, that's still awesome. That is still awesome. 
But if you're if you happen to be a fan of old school cold weather college football where Michigan and Ohio State slug it out or Nebraska is good, then the playoff system is is dead to you. That's the worst part of college football. There's there's no there are no teams from the cold weather region other than Ohio State. And there are really no Heisman candidates on the list I'm looking at for many of those schools. It's all Southeast schools. And if that's not your thing, then, you know, I'd rather be playing golf on Saturday. So is that, is that what, is that where we are now? The college football is worth watching for the pageantry of it, but not for the competition. I mean, is that, is that what we've come down to? It's, it's college football Saturday. It's the pageantry. It's the, you know, it's it's your school colors. It's maybe some little rivalries, but at the end of the day, it's competition the, is an important. It's game, it's game day it's in the, the morning with the ESPN crew. I mean, it's the excitement of college football Saturday. I mean, it's, I love it. I think college football now is more exciting for seeing the breakout individual players than it is about seeing the teams to Pope's point. We're going to see the same teams over and over again. And you know what? You know what killed all this? which is kind of ironic because people were screaming for it was the playoff when there were bowls. And the, I mean, we all grew up at times when the bowls right. mattered. Yeah. It was fun yeah. watching all the bowls. Well, it was fun a- watching the blue bonnet bowl, whatever bowl. Right and now the bowls, the, unless you're in the playoff, they don't matter for shit. Right. But, but, but that's what, but we were bitching back then because the, you, someone would be, you know, fourth or whatever, and they wouldn't have a chance to win it. So we needed the playoff system. And by the way, I guarantee you the four guys who are doing a pod in the the first pod in the early eighties before us were bitching that Nebraska was in the fucking national championship every year, Miami and Nebraska house house. I want to, I want to take what you said about the playoffs ruining it. it. It's, I mean, along those lines, it's money, right? Money's what ruined it. Yeah. So why can't we have a 16-team playoff that's built around the bowl games, right? So where every game is a bowl game, it just totally happens agree. to be a, a quarterfinal or a semi or whatever it is. Why can't this? Why can't this happen? Why don't they get this done? I don't know. Probably because the Power Five conferences are preventing it from getting it done. You know, <clears throat> it's kind of ironic that the UCF today and the coastal Carolina back in 1998, uh, Tulane. No, no. Well, I'm just saying it's not a Tulane went 12 and Oh, and ended up playing in the Liberty bowl against BYU. And I think finished 17th, they played a decent schedule and were okay. They did not play a decent schedule. They did. But here's the point <laughs> after that season where they finished undefeated and could not get it better got, than the Liberty bowl. The no, they're, they're the president of the college fought for a long time to finally break through and say that a non power five conference had to be one of the slots of the college football playoff. Yeah. Just imagine how crappy it would be if that victory did not happen. Like, do we really want to see these five teams beat their brains? And what makes it interesting is maybe this year, Boise state, I don't Boise know. Up, yes. Right. By the way, well, Cincinnati is your best chance. They're, they're, they, they could, they could easily break through the top four. They're going to expand. By the way, mm-hmm. it's inevitable. Well, we're going to go to eight or, or 12 or 16. We need to whatever. talk about that, guys, because I think the SEC might have killed the golden goose because now there's some pushback. And I know this alliance, which is meh, 
there's some pushback from some of the power five uh, athletic directors who said that the SEC expanded and brought in Texas OU because they're counting on lots of slots for the championship uh, 12 that they're talking about. And they're saying, well, maybe we'll call their bluff. And it has to be unanimous among the five, the five uh, conferences. It has to be unanimous to expand the college football playoff. And, you know, the SEC might have um, put themselves at risk of having an expansion of the playoffs by their move in trying to annex Texas and OU. Pope, did you hear uh, Kirk Herbstreet being interviewed recently where he thinks that it's time for the NCAA football to have one commissioner and not have commissioners of each league? I didn't. I don't disagree, though. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I mean, you need, you need some kind of regulation of uh, figuring out how to do an expansion where, you know, there is like a Cincinnati that's not a Power Five conference or a Boise State or somebody like that has a legitimate chance to get into either the Final Four or, you know, the twelve. Uh, that doesn't get a buy. Um, there, there needs to be something, I think, to, to stimulate the fans' interest like you, Rooster, and House, so that we're not just looking at four teams at the end. That's fine, but here's the, here's the bottom line, though, is that all the, we can allow all these teams to come in. That's great. Coastal Carolina comes in. Woohoo! Okay. And loses 50 They can't beat these top five teams. Okay, so that's my, my next question, then, because that, that's a good point. So – what do you do to level the playing field? I mean, do you cut the um, do you cut the scholarships in half to these schools? Like, why does Alabama have four left tackles, all who could play in the NFL, and Maryland can't find anybody to block? I mean, what, well, what do you do? Problem. Do you cut the scholarships down to no thirty three? Why not? What? What? Why are you going to penalize Alabama for being successful? No, all the schools, all the schools, not just Alabama. I mean. You're still going to get. They're talking about essentially doing like a salary cap. But but what, how does that? Oh, level that's what it's become, right? It's a salary now. But how does that Over level? Alabama is still going to get the five star guys, and Maryland's still going to get the two star guys. So when they go head to head, it's going to be a debacle. Pope, can I ask you a team uh, question? Going back to your about the teams, going back to your uh, stats. Yeah. In all these years, I don't know if you have this. Has there ever been a two loss team that's won the? College football yes. playoff championship. LSU. Uh, are you you talking about the bowl championship uh, series yeah. or BCS LSU? BCS won. LSU won with, but that was bowl championship yeah. series. That was for college football playoffs. That was before the playoff. Okay. Yeah. How about since the playoff? So, um, I don't believe so. Uh, I'm trying to think. No, Ohio LSU State. Like Ohio State got in one year over Penn. They might have gotten in, but yeah, no one's but won they, it with two losses other than LSU. Ohio State got in the college football playoffs with two losses, but then they proceeded to lose in the semi. So, 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 yeah. tell me how you feel about this because both you guys are are huge SEC folks, right? I mean, you're Alabama, you're you're Florida. Pope is Alabama, Milk is Florida. So Clemson's going to play Georgia next week. Yeah, yeah. And presumably, it's not going to end in a tie. One of those teams is going to win. Yes. Right. The team that has lost has about a 5% chance at that point of winning a national championship because there's going to be four undefeated teams this year. Um, and they're they're already way in the hole after week one. How is that good for college sports? Well, I don't know if they are. Why, yeah, I why, mean, why are they? It's an early of, season loss. I think they one can overcome loss that. early against – these are two, what, top six teams, top five teams. Top five, yeah. So they're not going to get penalized that much. 
That's in a, fact, it's a, it's in a, fact you've seen it all loss. the time. They're going to have you're going to have an undefeated Indiana or whatever, and you're going to have a one loss Georgia, lost to Clemson, two lost to Clemson, and they're going to put they're going to put Georgia in over Clemson over Indiana. But it does to your point, House. Though I mean, and look, I credit to these coaches for scheduling these non con or these ads for scheduling these non conference big games. I mean, Alabama's playing Miami. I'm not too worried about it. Of course, those are words that'll come back to haunt me. But saying 32 minutes of the pod. <laughs> what, but what I'm saying is that they should get credit for that. And yeah, Georgia, let's say, let's assume Georgia loses. So Georgia runs the table in the East, which means they beat Florida. Sorry, no, Milk. And they go to the SEC championship game and they play an undefeated Alabama team. Right, they and, Alabama. and Georgia beats Alabama. Well, I mean, that's not going to happen either. But if that were to happen, Georgia would definitely get a slot in the college football playoff. No question. Run the table after losing to Clemson. The other question is, if they lose to Clemson and then they lose barely to Alabama, they're the best two-loss team, and you have a shaky one-loss team from the Big Ten – you know, then then that's where the real you know debate starts. Well, look, we keep doing this every year with Notre Dame. Every year we let Notre Dame into the now, playoffs. North Carolina's going to take care of that and October 30th. Notre Dame gets the shit beat out of them. All right, House. House, give me a reason we should watch Tulane football this year. What are we looking for? Actually, I can give you a really good reason. Yeah, no, seriously. I, I, I know you're excited. Tell us about it. Well, first of all, uh, Tulane – is in the American Athletic Conference. They will not end up at the top of the AAC because Cincinnati will probably be the team that makes it into the college football playoff. But this is my point. Like, this is why I think college football is about the individuals right now. Tulane has a sophomore quarterback named Michael Pratt. And my guess is that Tulane is going to play next week wherever the game ends up being very sad about hurricane Ida. I don't know. It could be at UAB could be at Oklahoma, but they're scheduled to play Oklahoma and the best player in the country arguably is Spencer Rattler. OU's quarterback. And they're going to be, OU's going to be up 45 to seven and a half time. And Spencer Rattler is going to throw five touchdowns and then he's going to sit. And Michael Pratt, is going to light it up in the second half. People are going to say, well, who's that kid that did kind of the comeback? Michael Pratt was uh, one of the best freshmen all last year. He will play Sundays in the NFL. Um, It's, you know, they've gone to three straight bowls. This is my alma mater. I love, love Tulane football. They're not going to finish above Cincinnati. They're not going to finish probably against Houston, maybe some others in that conference, but but SMU, but it's fun to watch these individual kids to your point, uh, Pope, that Miami Alabama game. Don't look past Miami brought in a transfer quarterback from the AAC from Houston. Yeah, named Houston. De- uh, Derek, Eric King, King. rooster him. is having a conversation wow, with Siri. Uh, I'm not really sure what's going on, but a little, uh, <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Siri wants to be. Don't look past to Eric King and Miami. He's I, on my high. I, I, I don't. I don't disagree. But you know, let's. I'm going to break that game down. But in Alabama, playing in, in Atlanta, that's like Tuscaloosa East. I, I don't. I don't see it. But there. But I like the. I like the 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 early games that the big college you know conferences playing yes. each other. I like that. Georgia Clemson. I can't wait for that game. 
All right, get, let let, me ask get, you let's a question, get Bison. Hold on, but yeah, Bison, yeah. let me ask you a question because you've been moderating this. You've been amazing, but you're you're a Georgetown guy. You know, you're basketball through and through. You love NFL football. You're a Washington, whatever they're called, the Red Wolves, whatever. Um, but with, where are you? Like, you're a huge sports fan. There's lots of people that are NFL football, college basketball. What does somebody like you think about college football these days? It's not something that gets me to sit down on the couch and watch a game. I, I, I will be aware of the big games for the weekend, right? And there are some that I, that I want to see. Like, I would like to see Florida, Georgia, right? I like to see um, – I kind of like watching Penn State play. I've always sort of rooted for Penn State um, tangentially. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, and what's what I find fun about college football, actually – are some of those late night games on the West coast where you're watching the PAC 12 and you know, these games don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but sort of to your point house about watching the kids play. I mean, it's kind of fun just to watch them go bombs away. And you know, these guys, those are like track meets, right? Those, uh, those PAC 12 games. So I don't know, I, I get into it and watch it, but there's very little until the playoff, that will actually draw me to make time to watch a game at this point. Brewster? Brewster, what gets you to what gets you to, you know, what are you looking for? What would get you to pay attention to college football for a weekend? Uh, if I was going to a game live, other than that, not really. My I grew up watching Notre Dame games with my grandfather, and even that doesn't interest me much anymore. It just doesn't. Ever since Rudy retired. Yeah, it's just not. I've never had a bad time at, at, a, at a college football game, but sitting down on the couch, like you said, and wasting a Saturday, it's just not for me. Okay. So, first of all, it sounds like you're not gambling enough. <laughs> <laughs> no skin in the we'll, game. We'll make it very interesting. So, does anyone here know who the seventh team in the country is? So I'm just trying to, I'm, tr I'm talking about the diversity right now. Is it Cincinnati? Cincinnati? No, it's Iowa, Iowa state. Oh, yeah. Iowa state. Sleeper. So you've got some games coming. You've got Ohio state, Iowa state. You've got Ohio state. Indiana is supposed to be incredible this year. I don't, they nah. were incredible. is a strong had, word. Well, they had, a, they were top 15 last year. They were, they're they huge, only played six offense. games, but watch whatever. those two games. Those are going to be very interesting. And those are two teams. Iowa State, they're literally seventh in the country. No one's talking the about them. The problem with teams, like right. that, including Notre Dame, is that they cannot get a top shelf quarterback anymore. They can get, like, Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's strategy is to recruit tight ends and offensive linemen. And they can still get that in an occasional decent running back. They cannot get a top shelf quarterback period. And those guys are all going to the top five teams. And that's, that's the, to me, that's the problem. Hope, hope say something interesting about college football that doesn't involve Alabama or the SEC. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, you can't, Oh, that's bullshit. Let's talk about the ACC because I think this uh, year will be interesting because Clemson is actually not the preseason favorite. It's North Carolina. Because Mac Brown has been stockpiling some talent, and this year with Sam Howell, we'll talk about in a minute on Heisman, uh, they did lose some talent. But I think that's one to watch. 
look in the look in the Big Twelve. Uh, the arrival of Sarkeesian, the saint, the savior for so all my orange blood friends down in Austin. They think he's going to make a big splash. Uh, but you know, you've got Spencer Rattler and OU. Um, you know, big OU Texas will be a huge game. The game I've circled on my calendar, and I I might end up getting a chance to go is Alabama and Texas A and M and College Station. Last year, the only loss A and M had was to Alabama, and their Jimbo Fisher his fourth year with with uh, A and M is looking to do what he did his fourth year at Florida State, which is wet milk. Milk, you love Jimbo Fisher. I hate Jimbo Fisher. What he's, happened? Um, fourth he's year an amazing at coach. State. And by the way, you said to not bring up Alabama, and he did within five seconds. Yep. I know. <laughs> I, I couldn't help. I know. Could not help. Nace, I love USC this year to your West Coast point. Hey, you know who's going to upset USC this year? Chip Kelly finally has a team this year. Chip Kelly, who absolutely bombed in the NFL. I didn't know you were allowed to say that name in that house. It's It's very (laughs) – He's pretty confident. PTSD there. He he is confident about his team, and they – He's got them running and gunning this year. This year, UC, USC, UCLA could be somewhat relevant again. It, again, this is the point, though. It's relevant in week 10 or 11. Right. And then after that, it's stupid. It's just it's we're back to the NACE principle. Like, it doesn't matter. Right, but to my point, who would not love to go to a USC game? I mean, that'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. The theory is spectacular. But I'm not going to sit down and watch, like, a whole day of college football because – the teams I like have no chance. Pre-COVID, uh, one of the last college football games I went to, I went to my first ever whiteout game at Penn State. Uh, National television, yeah, sure. 8 o'clock against Michigan. To what Rooster's point, that is the most unbelievable yeah, yeah. environment. When 100,000 people are all wearing white right, right. and the team's wearing white and the place is just deafening, that is the coolest environment. You remember that Tennessee-Florida game where Tennessee decided to do everyone wore white or, or orange yeah, T-shirts? <laughs> I, was, I, I, was at that, I was at that game. I love tennis at Nayland Stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah you do. Tons of fun. Phil Fulmer's your your favorite Phil, guy, right? Yeah, uh, I don't think we've lost Tennessee in 15 years. I mean, up once. So, so here's a question for the for the uh, pod. Speaking of Michigan, uh, can you see the khakis through the white? Is this Harbaugh's last chance? Has to uh, be. Absolutely. Has absolutely. To be. How many I mean, times come have on. said that stuff? He's got, go back he's got a lot of last chances. I he's got a – and he has – he, he has no shot. He's got to win 10 games and beat, beat Ohio State. They're, they're not going to be top four in the Big, I, I in think, the big Ten. I think Milk's opening story, uh, the coach of Nebraska, Frost. Frost, yeah. He He's finally taken the heat off of the savior thing with right. Harbaugh. And 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 maybe gives gives Harbaugh a little, little cover because he was supposed to be the savior at Michigan and hasn't done much, but he's done a lot more than Frost. No, but no wins against Ohio State, right? None. None. Zero. None. None. Never. You can't I, do it. I think Harbaugh's back in the NFL within two years. All right. Give us everyone give us a Heisman candidate, and then we're gonna wrap the segment up because I mean we've already talked way too much about college football at this point. Ooh. Oh, well, I'll, ki- I'll kick it off. I mean, I, I think there's a prohibitive favorite. I think in that Spencer Rattler, uh, the gunslinger from OU, Lincoln Riley's had a stable of guys, uh, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, who was – he took that one year and went to OU, who was finalist for the Heisman. Uh, Spencer Rattler um, is coming into this year leading, you know, from last year in passing. Um, I, I don't see anybody – really competing with him unless unless there is a Bryce Young 
or a Sam Howell or somebody like that who steps up. Uh, I think it's Rattlers to lose. Sam Howell, who I mentioned from North Carolina, I would say, and DJ uh, Ugalele. Ugalele, uh from Clemson, who had a great game last year when um, the girl had COVID. I think that uh, those are the guys to look at. There might be some sleepers, some running backs. You've got the guy from um, Iowa State uh, who led the uh, uh, Brees – what's his name? My team right yeah. there, baby. Uh, Brees Miller, I believe. And then you've got the running back from Texas, B. John Robinson. Uh has notes. Oh, my God. Of course I have notes. I, I study for these pods. And and so I'm thinking Brees Hall. Brees Hall. Yeah, Brees Hall. And so I'm I'm thinking though, you know, it's gonna be a quarterback year. When you see the final three uh for the Heisman, I think you'll have three quarterbacks. All right. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm sticking with the quarterback, but I'm going with the non-obvious. I I don't like Bama and Clemson bringing in new quarterbacks. I think Oklahoma's I think Spencer Rattler is gonna be great. This is a sleeper. I was laughed at earlier this afternoon when I brought up this team. Keep an eye. You can write it down on Ole Miss. Ole Miss is oh going to be God. very good this year. Lane Kiffin in his second 100% year. 100% vaccination. 100% vaccination. Matt Corral, quarterback for Ole Miss. Keep an eye on him. He's going to be in the conversation late, and they're going to score a shit ton of points. But Ole Miss, in order for them to win, Ole Miss is going to have to make a run at the SEC West and beat an Alabama. I, not necessarily. No, I mean, the, look Tebow, the Heisman Tebow the, won the Heisman yeah. without. Oh, the there's a Tebow reference. Yeah. It's clear they're going to be they're going to be some gaudy numbers put up by quarterbacks like Sam Howell, like DJ Ugalele, like Spencer Rattler, like Dylan Gabriel from UCF. But for me, I think that the one to watch is this really kind of cocky quarterback that Kirby Smart has under center. This JT Daniels, he was injured. He came back for the last four games. He had 10 touchdowns and two picks. I think this guy, he's got a great offensive coordinator. I think you're going to see Georgia win the SEC with JT Daniels. Yep, I got Georgia winning the SEC, JT Daniels riding it to the Heisman. And Brandon Smith, you better be listening right now, as well as Spooner and Corey. Wow. Wow, wow, Rooster, wow. who do you have for the Heisman? All right, I'm going with somebody who's actually had some big game time experience. DJ tiptoe through the tulips, Ukulele. Ukulele. He has no experience. He played in one game when he relieved Lawrence and killed it. I'm I'm going with him for the Heisman. And that and now you have exhausted my knowledge of yeah football. That's about where I. By the way, JT Daniels definitely someone to keep an eye on. Transfer from USC, lost his job to injury, but ACL injury. So I I got another quarterback you should watch, and that's Graham Mertz from Wisconsin. Uh, He was he came off the bench last year. I think he was a freshman. Played had a big game, looked great. He's apparently the savior in Wisconsin, and immediately got COVID and missed the rest of the season. But keep an eye on him. Uh, He could have a big year, and then also. what about the running back at Oklahoma, Kennedy Brooks? Uh, keep an eye out for him. You know, th- that's going to be a big offense, and, and a running back could come out and, and end up, you know, with a, lot of, with a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. A Big Ten spoiler, like you said, that Mertz 
from Wisconsin. Week one is Wisconsin versus Sean Clifford and Penn State. Quarterback to quarterback, those are sleeper quarterback, sleeper teams. That's going to shape up a lot of the Big Ten. That's a good call on that on Mertz. And we had mentioned it before, but Toby, you're talking about the quarterback for for the U, uh, Derek King, the transfer from Houston. I like him. He's a he's a little Kyler Murray uh, starter kit. Um, Hard to bring down, dual threat, gets a lot of yards after contact, and uh, it's got a got a good arm. So look out for him. Um, And I know that uh, Nick Saban will definitely be looking out for him game one. All right. Good job on college football. Trying to make it interesting when it's not. Appreciate the effort. Um, I guess we didn't convince him, Milk. Let's let's punch some people in the face. Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kujay with a triumphant comeback. But tonight, don't call it a comeback. I heard we have a bunch of nominees today. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot there's of people lot. to be punched. There's a lot. Richard, there's you're going be, first, right? It's endless. All right. Javi Baez and the players on the Mets who are giving the thumbs down to the fans get a punch in the fucking face <laughs> because who do these guys think they are? I mean, the Mets have been horrible. Not the Yankees. Forever, right? They're terrible. They find a way to screw everything up. They were, they were pretty much a shoe in to win the NL East and it were at least a wild card. They messed that up. The, the savior was supposed to be this new shortstop. Who is that? Lindor. Yeah. He's doing it too. He, he, he signed a 10 year deal and he's getting worse by the week. They're stuck with him for 10 years. And so, and so these guys are now basically saying to the fans, you don't get the right to boo us when we're bad and cheer for us when we're good. And they have got it completely wrong. I mean, those Mets fans have been dealing with mediocrity for so long. It's amazing they're not booing every pitch of every game because the Mets are a fucking train wreck and the players should just cash their checks and shut their mouths. Wow. I love that story, by the way. That is like, or as Bill Simmons would say, the players. Is is that anything other than just like total Mets? That is how – the Mets, you just know it's going to end that way. They're going to be That's good. Right. And then th- by the end of the season, the up. players are turning on the fans. That is just That's like, that is like the definition of punchable face of the week, by the way, right there. Yeah. The, the, the players love booing it. the fans. Love it. Love it. Because That's they it. suck. I like that just happened so here in Philly. <laughs> Change the subject. No, 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 no. The players, the fans just do it. The players don't do it. The players don't do the fans anywhere but in Queens. All right, next punchable. I got got another one. Yeah, I got one. I don't know if anybody watched uh, that great golf playoff yesterday in the FedEx uh, BMW Championship, but uh, Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Cantlay went six holes of just nonstop slug it out, great shots, amazing putts. Uh, But it goes back to the 14th hole when – Shambo, you know, he had another monster drive. I think he he had a wedge out um, on a 480-yard hole, and uh, he was getting ready to hit, and he stopped, and he and he looked over at Cantlay, who was way to his left. And he said, "Patrick, can you stop walking?" It kind of had an exasperated look to him, and then you know backed away from his ball. And you know, it's one thing to call out another player, but then then you know, just his whole demeanor was he was pissed off. Uh, he was pissed off the rest of the round. I mean, he, you know, 
he, he missed some really short putts to win a five footer. Uh, I, I think the guy's got some issues going on in his head. And then to top it off, as he's leaving the course, uh, going down the rope line, a patron yells, uh, hey, Brooksy. And, you know, the whole thing about the, the, the dispute, the feud between uh, Kepka and, and Bryson is, is really blown over now. And the fans are just razzing DeChambeau for it. And, of course, he's not reacting well. He turns around and he, and he goes at the guy and he points at him and he says, get the fuck out of here. And he gets a cop to throw him out. Um, Look, Bryson, and then, you know, after he loses, he goes and he shakes Patrick's hand. He barely even shook his hand before he just stomped off the 18th green. Uh, golf is, is, a, is a, a game that we expect to see class. We expect to see sportsmanship. And Bryson's got a long way to go. He's an amazing talent, and he's great for golf. He makes people want to watch. But he's really got to get it between the ears uh, he's got to get a grip and, and, you know, the Ryder cup is right around the corner and it's going to be really interesting to see how his teammates react, especially Kepka and Cantlay now. So Bryce, I'm going to punch you in the fucking face because you need the punch. Cause we need you buddy for the USA. So punch. Just be careful. He's kind of big. There there's one last punch. And I really hope by now our fans are tuning in to the F1 races um, it's, it's really, it's a blast watching the drama between these teams and the drivers. Well, this past weekend, they were scheduled to be in Belgium. And unfortunately the weather forecast was very, very poor in Belgium. So poor that you would have known for a good 12 hour stretch where the race was supposed to occur. It was just a straight rain. And, you know, when you're driving around a track at 150 to 200 miles per hour, it's probably not a good idea when you're putting drivers health at risk to have a race. The fans there in Belgium are rabid. They want to show up now that they can be at races. The fans paid for tickets. They even camped out to go to this race. And the FIA, who's the governing body of F1 racing, decided that they were going to force this race through. And unfortunately, the rules are in the F1 racing that as long as you get two laps in, you can count it as a race. So after delaying this thing for three, four hours, they let 20 drivers drive at about, I don't know, grandma speed, 55 miles per hour on a, on a track that you could go 130 around two times, called it a race, sent everybody home, and that was that. Well, were, were they allowed to pass the safety car? They were not allowed to they pass. So, allowed to pass so basically quali the qualifying determined the outcome yes. of the race. It was it, March of the Penguins. March of the Penguins. It was outrageous. The drivers are upset. The owners of the teams are upset. The fans, the fans are upset, the upset. And FIA deserves a punch in the face. That's everything that's wrong with sports. Pure greed. Pure greed. Good one, House. Good one. Anybody else we have to punch? Do you have a punch? No, that was mine. <laughs> F1. F1 for sure. All right. Well, on to better news. This is the rare week where we have multiple Ted Lassos. Barbecue sauce. <laughs> Who's going first? Who's going first? 
Do you guys know this, this story about Cleveland outfielder Fran Mill Reyes? I confess I'd never heard of this guy before, but now I think everybody needs to hear about this guy. Fran Mill Reyes, this past Wednesday, um, there's a, a woman who's a big-time Cleveland, shall we say, Guardians fan, and her, her name is Jessica Atwood. And Jessica Atwood is undergoing chemotherapy for breast cancer. But Jessica Atwood uh, has also recently lost her mom, and she's been going through a really hard time. And I think one of the things that we need to see more of is the players connecting with the fans and understanding that the fans really are what allows these guys to make their contracts, everything else. Well, Fran Mill Reyes gets it because what he did is he sought out Jessica Atwood. He signed a ball for her, not just with his name. And he says, you know, he puts on the ball, like basically a message to her, like we're behind you and I hope everything's better. So she's already crying. And then like movie style, he gets up to bat and he jacks a pitch out of the stadium home run. And right after he hit it, he takes the bat and he points at Jessica Atwood. Um, It's just like a storybook kind of, kind of play where, you know, a fan actually mattered, inspired a player who really cared more than just the sport cared about, cared about the fans involved. I just thought that was a really good feel good story. That is a nice story. Nice story. Good story. Do you have the other one? You got another one. You want to do the other one? You do it. Well, just the other one. There was a really good story that came out today that I that uh sorry, but <laughs> I think Rooster, we we've we had a I just want to tell the fans that part of the Ted Lasso is we had a pre-production meeting and we wanted to feel good. So we all feel very good coming into the end of this podcast. But anyway, I, I also drove four hours to get here. So. There's a um you know, some of these stories that come in youth sports are pretty, pretty cool. And there's a really good story. Um, there were two girls in third grade that were in a cross country race uh, this past week. And one of the girls whose name I'm looking for, I'm not sure that it really matters that much. Um, but she, um, well, it matters to her and it matters to, to both of them. But the, the, this girl, she had a broken arm. And uh, she was really struggling through the race. It was 90 degrees out. And uh, Josie was this girl running with a cast, really in a lot of pain and was crying. And so one of her competitors that was going up against her, this girl, Violet, a third grader at a competitor school, St. Edward, who was running against Josie from Notre Dame, Violet uh, passed Josie. And then she turned around and she saw that Josie was crying. And she slowed down and stopped. And her dad is yelling at, you know, Violet saying, come on, come on, run, run, run. She said, no, I've got to help this girl. Doesn't know the girl. She's a competitor. She stops, grabs her hand and runs with her. So the other girl in the cast, um, Josie, can can finish the race. And God, if that doesn't say something to adults where we are today, the the kids have it right. So really a Ted Lasso for people like Fran Mill Reyes, a Ted Lasso for Violet and Josie from Louisville, Kentucky, 
Thanks for bringing what's right about sports uh, to the headlines. You got those stories contrasted with the Mets booing their fans. Yeah, right. right? This, this violent woman is, is it just the epitome of what House was saying is the kids have it right. It's the parents who are ruining sports for children, in my opinion. The parents are the ones screaming, keep going, keep going. And she's stopping saying, no, I want to help. I want to help this person who's, who's injured. And like she's not going to become an Olympic runner, but the parents are living their lives through the kids and blah, blah, blah. It's just really nice to see a, a child that age, that mature, making that kind of an independent decision. I just can't tell now if we went back to a punchable face in the punchable <laughs> face of the week and just punched all the parents in the face, or if that was still a Ted Lasso. Yeah, I think that uh, was a subtle punch. Right, it was listen, a subtle punch. Right, subtle who, punch. Here, who here has little league baseball and wanted to punch a parent? Come uh, on now. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> all right, guys, here's the college week. football season. Good luck to all the teams. It doesn't matter to all of you, but five. Right. Yeah. Uh, good luck. Cheers. Enjoy the pageantry, college football players. Cheers. Have a good week, guys. Hey, we're back early this week with another uh, with the NFL preview. So uh, don't wait for Monday. We'll be back Lots of talks about the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. We'll see you all.